0: Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a podcast featuring the experiences of individuals living with and or affected by sexually transmitted infections. After so many technical difficulties, <laughs> <laughs> we're finally able to get this thing rolling. It's because I didn't
1: have a Facebook.
0: So how's not having a Facebook?
1: Yeah. It's probably been a little couple years that I switched over to taking down that account, and I just went to mainly having an Instagram. And as I was like filling out the information and having all of that pop back up, I was like, "Oh no, no!"
0: Did you create a new account to do this podcast?
1: I did. <laughs>
0: so you don't have you have one friend. I am your only I'm Facebook not. friend. <laughs> Thank you. I am here with Erica Force, who manages the actual Instagram page. The way that it's spelled, if you want to go and check it out, is S-dot-X-U-A-L-L-E-C-T-U-A-L. I came across this page. I don't remember what brought me to it. It may have been something that someone else I follow shares, but I'll describe it as very pleasure focused, very sexually liberating. And the content there is very empowering for people to have pleasure with their bodies. While the original reason that I'm having you come on this podcast, Erica, is to talk about that and your own experiences with pleasure and how people can begin to tap into that and begin to feel sexually liberated. In that process, we talked about your own experience having contracted an STI as well.
1: Sure. It was quite a few years ago, and I was kind of dating around a little bit at the time. And first, I contracted chlamydia. So chlamydia is a very common STI. I think there was like over yearly 200,000 reports of it. So it's something that's definitely very prevalent. The crazy thing about this STI is that usually you don't present any like symptoms. So it's like this silent STI. Well, I'm not completely sure how long I had had this. Um, I contracted it from a partner who wasn't being completely honest and truthful about his extracurriculars and the people that he was sleeping with um, outside of just him and I. At that same time, I was being honest that I was sleeping with one other person besides him. So there was a lot, a lot of trust and everybody's word going on in this. Unfortunately, I started having some really, really rough abdominal pains and this wasn't my typical cramping with menstruation or anything like that. It was so intense. And it was during specific times. It was when I would actually be urinating. And that is one of the symptoms that when this STI has sat and cultivated for long enough, it can show up as abdominal pains, pain during urination. This is gender neutral. In penis owners, it can show up as pain in the testicles. And then you can have uh, contracted anally, so you can get... As that goes, and then you can also contract it in your mouth. So, this is something that goes all across the body. So, any kind of interactions sexually that is going to involve any of those mucous membranes, you can contract chlamydia. Well, I had been having ongoing pains, and I went to my mom about it. I talked to a couple people about it, and they're like, oh, have you ever heard of endometriosis? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I have, but I kind of know about it, not too much. So I started to look more and more into endometriosis, and I was like, oh my gosh, these are totally the pains that I'm having, the placement I'm having, these pains, all of that. Well, maybe about... Two weeks later, I ended up in the hospital because the pain was so severe that I could not get up out of the fetal position. And my mom is the one who took me. They did a complete panel workup across the board to figure out what was going on. And it came back that I was positive for chlamydia. And that's what was causing all of this pain.
0: Did they say why it caused all of these Pains for you because I've not had any experience with chlamydia personally. I've had friends, but whenever they had it, they talked about it burned when they peed, and they went to the campus clinic, got antibiotics. They were on it for a week and couldn't drink, and then they were back at it. They were able to go back into their normal routines of having sex. It has a
1: cure. It's through the antibiotic round for you and your partner. Or partner. And there's no sex until you're complete with this whole antibiotic dosage. It's treatable. It can show up and manifest in other ways that burning during urination sensation is another common one that people have. I know that I've heard that a lot with gonorrhea, but in particular with myself and chlamydia, it was more of this abdominal and vaginal pain that I'd experienced at first only When I peed, then it started to become more consistent outside of that. And of course, during this time, I wasn't having any sex, vaginal sex, anal sex, anything like that, because I was in so much pain when that interaction was going on.
0: And so you have this, you go to the hospital and do they just treat you with antibiotics? Like, how do you find out what to do next after you find out this is what's been wrong with you all the time? What's next?
1: The emergency room really didn't take a whole lot of time to sit with me and explain what was going on um, about this STI or any of this details. It was really upon myself. At that point, I contacted my partners. I had them fill two additional prescriptions so that they could get on it as well.
0: I didn't know that they did that.
1: I mean, in Arizona, they'll do that for you. I don't know about other states, but yeah, they asked, would you like us to fill prescriptions for your partner as well? And I said, well, I'm going to need two. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Just to clarify, were you single at the time or were these two ongoing partners?
1: Long backstory with both of them. One of the partners is someone who was my first of everything. We had been on and off all through high school and then continued after that. Unfortunately, this interaction was the ending of that partnership or interaction. I don't even think he knew, uh, which was even scarier, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but again, I have to look at myself at the same time because I went however long, not knowing the same things. It was no good all around of not being responsible for our own bodies and the bodies that we were interacting with. I definitely take responsibility there for sure. And the other partner is actually, my current lifelong term partner, and we are now polyamorous, but prior to figuring that out, for the first six years of our relationship, we would break up, get back together, break up, but still see each other and get back together. So it was an interesting dynamic, and it was prior to all the communication skills we learned in the process of opening up our relationship. So, I would say that I was single at the time, but I had known these two with a lot of back history.
0: And so, you get the medication for them as well. How did those uh, conversations go?
1: <laughs> My, I'm, like, starting to sweat even thinking about it.
0: <laughs> Here's why I ask, because a lot of people fear one conversation about an STI, so I can't imagine you having to do it twice, and especially yeah. in such a quick turnaround time.
1: Yeah, so- given it to me. I called him immediately. The situation already sucked as is, but we were in a place where this STI has a treatment and will go away at the end of the round of antibiotics. It wasn't so much that I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I got this. I never thought that I would be one to be susceptible to this. No, I was sexually active. That is always a possibility. It was more of, like, compassion with him and saying, like, hey, you withheld information, you lied, here's your medication, now that's the end of that relationship. It was more so this, I remember waking up the next morning, and I sent out a text message to my lifelong partner now. And I remember just thinking... Kind of like this, I failed you almost, that I even allowed this to happen. This is, you know, this is my fault for allowing this to happen and you putting you in danger like this. So I sent him a text message. I said, hey, um, I tested positive for chlamydia. I do have a round of antibiotic ready for you. But if you want to go to your own testing and clinic to see if you contracted it, that's fine too. It ended up that he didn't end up contracting it, which was great, but it was the beginning of a very good lesson.
0: And what's that lesson?
1: You need to get tested constantly is the first one. If you're in a non-monogamous partnerships, you need to be using barriers. And while I wish I could say like, oh, there's just, you know, I can trust your word. I can do this. I think it's based on your own safety and the safeties of the others around you that everyone's getting constantly tested. And if you have any question about someone's fidelity, that you are bringing that conversation to the forefront, using protection, and then, again, getting tested.
0: Mm -hmm. And I'd like to add to that. Everyone should be getting tested. Every sexually Mm -hmm. active person. And you mentioned dishonesty from one of the partners who withheld information from you. And didn't allow for you to make a fully informed decision on continuing the relationship, situation, ship, what do we want to call it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Continuing the interaction, the interaction. So even with monogamous people, you could be single and say you're monogamous, or you could be in a relationship and being deceitful and withholding information from partners you may cheat with. And... I think it's important for everyone to be aware of all of these things. Not everyone is going to be honest with you about everything. You would like to think that people would, but we have to be as prepared as we can. And the only thing that we can do is be aware of our own status and then be able to communicate that to partners going forward. As someone who's non-monogamous, how often do you get tested?
1: Um, every three to six months. Usually more regularly depending on the situation so if i've had a new partner or if i had like a sexcapade one night thing like i will get tested after each new partner and then every three to six months they're on out and so is my other partners
0: and nobody's like well (laughs) so and so in the group of partners went and got tested and they were negative so i'm negative
1: no you can't rely on
0: I say that because I've been there and I've spoken to so many people who've also done that with partners where you are ending a relationship. Well, this is my personal experience, but someone that I was involved with, she was going in for her annual exam and she texted me and asked me, she goes, hey, I'm going in for my wellness women's exam. Do I need to know anything other than the fact that you have herpes? And I'm like... As far as I know, like, that's it. So she goes in for her exam, and I'm curious, like, I haven't heard from her, so I'm guessing no news is good news, but I send a text like, hey, everything good? She's like, oh, yep, I'm all good. I was like, yes, me too then. And this was young Courtney, and by young Courtney, I probably was like 26, and I'm 30 now, so this is something that just happens. Partners can make the assumption that because one partner tests negative for STIs, that that means that they're negative for STIs. and
1: It just, that's
0: not how this works. And nor is that how this should work.
1: Just like you were saying, I'm going in for my wellness exam. Should I be getting tested? Should I know anything? And it's like, we don't need to make it like that because this is just something that we're all around. Everyone's doing for their physical health, which is part of our human right. And it shouldn't have this negative connotation of like, oh, should I know anything? Should I know something going forward? It's like, oh no, hey, I'm going to get tested. C'est la vie. Yeah. So just. Integration into conversation that's not this awful feeling negative, you
0: know, type of thing. Since I've been diagnosed with herpes, I've found that having the conversation about STIs and sexual health in general has become a much easier conversation to have. And I believe that it makes for a more positive experience and interaction with someone else when you're able to openly just put it on the table. You know, here's my current SCI status. Here's the opportunity for you to bring up yours and we can discuss any negotiations. That's a word that I just recently came across, just negotiating What barriers are to be used in the event that you move forward? And then consent comes in. What's a no-no? What's a yes? Were we discussing safe words? Are there certain things that may be triggers for a partner? It's deeper than just get tested, share your status, talk to your partner about their status.
1: And what I've heard a lot of the times listening through your podcast is that it's your choice. Once everybody has all the information, then you're giving that person and yourself that choices. Um, and it's when you take someone's choice away that that's a really, really scary and upsetting feeling. And it's definitely one that I felt when they told me that I had chlamydia and I was like, oh, but well, that wasn't supposed to happen. So I definitely agree with you in the fact that like once that happened afterwards, the conversations and the openness about it started to become more easy because it wasn't a choice that i didn't want to have for myself again with getting tested regularly some of these stis can definitely affect you long term which obviously with herpes that is something that you are constantly dealing with for the rest of your life because there is no treatment for it with chlamydia getting tested every three months this will catch it before it could have the potential to manifest into something so much more and with this sti It can cause infertility if gone undetected for too long. The scary thing is it's a silent STI and most people don't have any symptoms or signs of having contracted it. They could potentially be putting themselves in a lot of harm by causing themselves to be infertile. So I think it is really important that getting tested is just something that's so regular and something that we do now bring into this common language and our healthcare providers, they need to be there as a support and not shameful and have space to sit and educate us. My mother-in-law is a nurse practitioner and she worked for Planned Parenthood and she does now, I'm um, in the Phoenix area, she does women's wellness and she's in the free clinic. And um, this is something that and I've talked about a lot with STIs is that People don't know. There's so lack of information on just general knowledge about STIs. So I definitely appreciate, um, you know, what this podcast does and bringing awareness to, you know, this education that's needed. So
0: I appreciate that. One of the things that I have been guilty of in the past is believing that i wouldn't contract an sti because according to my education i was given in my health class whatever stis hurt there are symptoms like you can smell if one of your sexual partners has any discharge or older than you don't want to have sex with them and it burns when you pee so if your sexual organs are hurting or not functional wouldn't you just think that a person wouldn't want to have sex with someone else right
1: totally yeah Uh, did you get Education
0: in school at all. I remember like in health God. class we saw videos everything was scary it was this is a very microscopic look at what a chlamydia looks like what a gonorrhea looks like like they're just showing you this one sphere with spikes on it and little legs or hair and it's just floating around like those were the things that I saw and I remember specifically herpes isn't curable I was like man I hope I don't get herpes here we go <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right? It's like, all right, now (laughs) what?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is. I've had a very small amount of sex education, I can remember, 6th grade, and they separated the genders, and they called the uterus a ram, like the animal, ram, a ram, it looks like a ram. Oh, okay. like, so I'm not kidding you, I associated the uterus and fallopian tubes and the whole thing to looking like a ram. And that's how I would refer to it. So And so when it came to the whole STI version, it was such a scare tactic. It was no education. It was more like, don't do it because your genitals are going to fall out. You know, it's like, yeah, you're going to know. You're going to feel it. But in reality, no. Um, HPV, you don't know. You're not feeling that. You're not smelling things or having painful urination or sex. And then now with chlamydia, you know, in this case, for me, I honestly couldn't tell you how long I had it until I was showing signs or symptoms because in my young 20s, I was not getting tested regularly. So it is a scary thing to think that this is something that can be manifesting in your body that could potentially cause you to be infertile. And then, you know, you're finding out once you go in try to become pregnant whether you're monogamous non-monogamous anything whatever you just go do it get tested make it a date and then i know now through different apps like safe app download your results and share that with your partners and have all of that just available
0: we'll link to some additional resources as well i've only recently through doing this podcast come across various Sexual health organizations, nonprofits in my own area that provide free testing, they provide free treatment, they provide free uh, condoms, as well as some sex education seminars. So they have seminars for people who come in consistently for STI treatment, like those who may constantly need medication for gonorrhea and chlamydia. They have them go through one of those sex ed seminars. And so There are resources that are available to people, so the whole I don't have a condom isn't an excuse, I can't afford to get tested isn't an excuse. The only thing i would believe is that you may not be able to get there, but if you're able to have sex and can't catch an Uber to a testing site, you probably need to rethink your priorities all right so we spoke about that whole experience with chlamydia we talked about you having to go and disclose to two partners and get them treatment did having an sti even though it was treatable did that affect your sex life at all
1: for a while it affected the way that i viewed myself um and my connection with my vagina for sure and that just pretty much that length of i think it's like 10 days that you're on that antibiotic round And through that 10 days, you can't have any sex with a partner. And so there was definitely this process through, man, I can't believe this happened. And the pain, the things that I felt, and then thinking it was endometriosis, which is a whole other thing in itself. There was definitely a time and there was definitely this a disconnect um, with my body and feeling not so great about it. But I had to return love just as much as I was giving negative thoughts.
0: What did the process so look like for you?
1: There was a lot of positive affirmations I had to go through and tell myself and tell myself that I wasn't a dirty person because that was something that like, I just always heard growing up of stis oh you're dirty only dirty people get stis if you get one no one's gonna want to touch you be around you love you like you're not worthy of that anymore and so those were the things that i thought immediately when i started learning the information of having chlamydia those immediate thoughts started going through my head and then through that process of those 10 days i was thinking like no what do you mean? This does not define you in any way. This doesn't make you a bad or dirty person. And I did. I there was affirmations that I was just telling myself of, okay, you have to love yourself. And going forward, that sh- shows also in loving your body and getting tested. So it's okay. There are ways that we can go forward from here that can bring you back to that good feeling about your body and sexual interactions and my long-term partner we sat down and we talked about it obviously afterwards and through that process as well because we couldn't be intimate together we got intimate in a different way
0: being intimate in a different way during the round of antibiotics or right afterwards
1: (laughs) being intimate during the round of antibiotics was not oral anal or vaginal sex together we would sit and we would do like self-touch and that was really fun of course we'd be very mindful of where fluids were going or anything like that not to cross contaminate again but it was more so that intimacy through the conversations we were having and reassuring each other that there was still love there and just because this situation happened It didn't define anything going forward other than we were going to be getting tested more frequently and we're going to be having more in-depth conversations. So that intimacy built during that time, which made me feel way more better about my own body and going forward if that were to come up again.
0: So physical partnered sex was off limits during the antibiotics course. And so you got creative, you discovered different ways of intimacy. Well, maybe not discovered, but you explored various types of intimacy. Do you feel like that helped you with connecting to your body after having felt the intense emotions that you felt after your chlamydia diagnosis?
1: Completely. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm a big mental person and I know there's a lot of people out there who it's getting wet between the ears first, right? So using your brain is your largest sex organ. So instead of jumping right back into the physical to feel connected, it was using our brains, our largest sex organ, to be able to connect again and come together and feel wanted and desired. And then the physical came later. Which was just like an enhancement, but wasn't based off of physical
0: connection. So it really added to that time where you had to do things a little bit differently and you had to self-pleasure in the room with one another. Like you just, Mm -hmm. you got the opportunity to explore and express that. Moving forward after that, what were some of the discussions that you had about? how to move forward. You said in-depth conversations, you said get tested more. What are some of these conversations? Are the conversations more about STIs? Are they about deception because you were deceived with the other partner?
1: First, it was that breakdown and reframing of not viewing contracting an STI as a dirty wrong person or anything like that and the things that I was told when I was growing up. So it was breaking down that wall and understanding that no, okay, that's not true. And then informing ourselves about all the different types of STIs, what the symptoms are, what those look like, what the possibilities are, and the outcomes. Because, again, there's that choice, right, that we are all wanting for ourselves. So if we have the knowledge and education, all that information, then we have a proactive way of going about the future. And then... Other in-depth conversations has been based upon outside sexual partners and yeah. what that was going to look like and those interactions because that's what was happening in the time. We were exploring other people while we were still together.
0: Got it. So what I love about your experience is that You contracted an STI, you went through that horrible experience, and then you were able to get treated. You had the conversation with your partners, and you ended one of the relationships due to the dishonesty. And after that, you moved forward with your lifelong partner and came up with a plan. You sat down, you discussed all of the STIs, you discussed how to move forward with continuing your relationship as it was with these precautions in place. So, nothing really was affected other than you became more informed and you became a little more safe.
1: Totally. Yeah. And and I think that's a really beautiful thing that came out of it. It wasn't something that like took me out. It wasn't something that made everything about my life have to...
0: Uh, what am I looking for Go to a standstill, like, nothing, nothing stopped. Like, you weren't knocked down yeah. except for that 10 days, and you just decided, okay, well, here's how I'm gonna have to move forward, and I think that for any diagnosis, that that's important. You can get knocked down and decide, oh, no, you know, I'm never doing that again. But this is a situation where if you are wanting to have sex, you have to be risk-aware. You have to understand that there is going to be a chance of contracting an STI. You may be able to treat it and clear it you may not be able to treat it and clear it but it's important for you to understand what the risks are and move forward in a way that allows for you to educate yourself and for you to become more communicative with partners and value that transparency value that openness value the communication that is supposed to take place between lovers
1: hell yeah like totally and i do hope that for everybody that they can understand for themselves and for others that this is not something that has to completely take you out. You know, you can totally live this amazing, pleasurable, sexual life afterwards. It's just, what are you going to do to get yourself there? You yeah. know, you have to put in the work.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's that's important. Putting in the work just looks like educating yourself. We were not given very many tools when we began discovering sex and pleasure and we have internet, we have access to so many useful tools, and we have to use them. Laziness is not a good excuse for not being informed in 2000-whatever-year-it-is-when-you-listen-to-this. Mm-hmm. If it's lasting like the 3000s, that'd be crazy.
1: Immortal, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Courtney. Right? Like I said, I just wanted to take that and add that here, because I felt like that was important to include, that your sex life... It doesn't have to look different. My experience has been different for different reasons because I do have an incurable STI, and it's one that I want to be sure to give any potential partner. A choice as to whether or not they want to move forward with the physical interaction and make sure that they're aware of what the risks are in addition to how I plan to take care of them and how I take care of myself. So that looks different for me and in a good way because of all of the conversations that it sparks off into. And here we have the experience of someone who even after Being able to treat the STI, treat chlamydia, and have it cleared away from their system was able to take the lesson from there and do things a little bit differently. But for the most part, your sex life hasn't changed it became more informed. Damn, that's good. I think we got our title now. (laughs) Well, because like I've always said, yeah, my sex life has changed. And then there are instances where, like yours, where, okay, it didn't necessarily change. It became more informed. So that's what we're running with. I love it. That is a good place to stop, um, unless you had any closing remarks about it. But ultimately, I think we all just need to get tested, find these resources, use these resources. Um, let's get back to like what made me reach out to you and what made me connect with you is that I've told you this before. When I look at your page, there's this awesome vibe to it. There's this very powerful and intense energy to it that makes people feel empowered. I really love and appreciate that you've created a space for people to find and come in and it's safe and people can kind of get a dose of that energy from you. So can you tell us a little bit about on the sexual actual Instagram page? Like why'd you start it? When'd you start it?
1: First, I have a question for you. I'm very curious as to how long you had been following before you had actually reached out. Because we have had a lot of conversation now about, like, a while ago things, you
0: know? It would have been shortly around the time that I followed Melissa from Sex Positive Families, Mm -hmm. which will have been a little bit over a year ago. Because it just popped up that she and I were Facebook friends. Uh, Like, our friendiversary was maybe a week ago. So it will have been about a year. Yeah. That's
1: awesome in September 2015. Um, it was right after I had begun working in a, a sex education institute and boutique in San Antonio, Texas. I just moved there um, and I was coming from a health administration background with a concentration of management and moved into finding uh, my passion and creating work around that. I walked into her boutique and I was like, you're going to hire me. Um, I started working from the ground up and learning all the ins and outs of um, the industry. And so the sexual electoral page really began because for me, it was this kind of movement of expression through what it was I was learning. For me, I'm a very like hands-on. In order for me to retain knowledge, I need to take it in and then spit it back out. Instagram at that time was the way to do it. It was this really amazing development. Since then and through this process, um, I've gone through Dr. Patty Britton's Sex Coach U to be certified, and that's it. Just continues like I all through my education. You can see that coming through. Hopefully, as you say, hopefully that um, that influence. And of course, uh, this page is very personal to my own life and to the things that um, i'm attracted to or that spark pleasure and excitement within myself
0: i want you guys to check that out go and look at that page browse through it like things share things and just enjoy it i thought that it was important for us to also get an episode on chlamydia out there because it's something that isn't talked about. And here in St. Louis specifically, there is a large number of cases. I do not know the exact number, but as of last year, if you want to go and check out that episode I did with um, the St. Louis Department of Public Health, we talked specifically about chlamydia and gonorrhea being on the rise in the St. Louis County area specifically. This is important please go and get tested. Get tested regularly. It doesn't matter if you're single in a monogamous relationship, non-monogamous relationship. Please go and get tested. Know what your status is. Protect yourself. Wear barriers. Utilize the free resources that are available in your area. And if you need help figuring that out, I will do my best to connect you. All I'm going to do is Google it and send you a link. So if you can't do that on your own, you may not need to be sexually active right now. Erica, thank you so, so much for your time. Um, I thank you so much for your time, and I appreciate you having this conversation with me.
1: Thank you, Courtney. I appreciate being here, and I'm so glad, finally, that we got to talk um, and have it recorded and not just through all the DMs. I know,
0: right? (laughs) (laughs) That is this episode of Something Positive for Positive People, and if you want to connect with Erica, our amazing guest here, thank you so much for sharing that story. Then you can just connect with her on Instagram at s. X-U-A-L-L-E-C-T-U-A-L on Instagram. And that's just Sexual actual minus the first E replaced with a period. This concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. If you like this episode, please rate, review, subscribe to, and share this podcast on your favorite podcast player. I enjoy being able to share useful resources with you all, and I'm excited to announce that Dating Positives is still with us. Woo <laughs> So um, if you haven't already, go and check them out, datingpositives.com. Follow them on social media, at Dating Positives. Set up a profile, get on there, start messaging people, and look for whatever it is that you're looking for, be it something casual, something more long-term, and just I, I hope everybody finds what it is they're looking for. Um, we got great responses from the questions where people had to call in and express what it was that they were looking for uh, during the holidays and what they were looking for coming up on Valentine's Day. So um, hopefully soon we'll be getting more questions like that and be able to get you guys input on that. Don't forget to check out the blog Waxo. That's W-A-X-O-H. They have a bunch of articles on there. For me, yay! (laughs) And then there's also... um, Information. There's an article posted by Dr. Kristen Bowman, a sex educator and sexuality expert who talks about her idea of a sex ed curriculum. And then there's uh, an article as well from um, a queer man who talks about his need to see a gay male doctor and why that's important. So if you can, go and check those out. And there's much more on there. It's just a lifestyle blog. You can find, it's essentially a digital magazine. I keep saying lifestyle blog because that's what I was saying in the beginning. But the more I interact, with it it's really uh that's what it is it's very sex positive it's lgbt and q inclusive as well as um and sti positive (laughs) and because i've been on there so (laughs) i'm funny yeah so get on there check that out and continue to support our sponsors just as they support us stay positive